Hey, Christ Community family, so glad you are joining us wherever you are. Uh, now, I know there's a lot of talk recently about churches reopening for worship services, which is exciting for all of us. Um, I just want to let you know that we will be communicating with you this upcoming week regarding our plans. As you know, restrictions are changing almost by the day. So we are prayerfully trying to discern the best course of action for our church, one in which we can love our neighbor well and provide an enjoyable in-person worship experience for everyone. So be looking um, in your email inbox as well as on social media for that later uh, this, this, this upcoming week. If you aren't on our email list, feel free to email info at cccgreeley.org and we will get you on that list. Hey, before we jump into the a new teaching series, I wanted to just celebrate our first ever church Bible reading plan in which we have been walking through the book of John. It has been so fun for me, you know, when I'm reading a passage in my time with the Lord to know that so many of you are reading and meditating on that same passage. I also love the interactions that are happening on our CC Bible Connections Facebook page. You know, I really feel like we've been leveraging this season to go deeper in the Lord and in his word. And I don't want that to stop. And so we have put together a new Bible reading plan for the month of June. We're going to be going through, we're going to be walking through the book of James, which is this no holds barred, in your face, in love, challenging sort of book. So if you haven't jumped into our Bible reading plan, we encourage you to do so. You can find the new plan for the month of June on our website. A few weeks ago, I was on my way home to borrow, a, or I was on my way to borrow a truck um, from someone, um, and I saw a friend uh, of mine um, who's a part of Christ Community out taking a walk in his neighborhood. And so I pulled up on the side of the road, and we were just talking about life, you know, in this season. And he began to share about how, as a teacher, he has had some amazing opportunities lately to minister to kids who are who are struggling. I mean, they're texting him, they're asking to talk. And he said, he said that this season is such an amazing opportunity for Christ followers if we just see it. But then he said this, I'm just not sure everyone is seeing it. And all that day as I was thinking about his comment, a question began to form in my mind as it relates to this whole COVID-19 situation. And beyond that, really, to any challenge that we're experiencing in our lives. Here, here was the question. Do we see this as an obstacle or an opportunity? I mean, the more I thought about that question, the more I realized how significant a question this really is. If we see this current situation as an obstacle, then we're going to be focused on things like, when is this going to be over? When can I go back to doing the things that I want to do? And our heart is going to become increasingly frustrated and anxious and, and even angry. But if we begin seeing this current situation as an opportunity for God to do something unique, suddenly our perspective totally changes. I mean, you've probably noticed this too. Every day I see married couples walking together in our neighborhood way more than I ever saw before COVID hit. I hear parents telling me how grateful they are for the time, the extra time they've had with their kids in this season, knowing that wouldn't have happened if life was just continuing on as usual. I mean, do we see this season as an obstacle or an opportunity for God to do something unique and impactful in and through us. 
Now that question goes beyond us as individuals. This is a question that I am so excited for us as a church to explore together. I mean, if we see, if we as a church see this current situation as an obstacle, then we're just going to be intently focused on how quickly we can get back to the way things were before COVID. But what if we viewed the situation as an opportunity? What if there was something unique, something powerful that God wanted to do in us, something that wouldn't happen if we're just focused on getting back to normal? What if normal isn't what God is after right now? What if God is actually wanting to use this season to expand our understanding of and our experience of church? Now, this would not be the first time this has happened. If you have your Bible, feel free to turn to the book of Acts, chapter 8. This book of Acts, the book of Acts is in the New Testament, right after the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And in the book of Acts, we see this amazing picture of how the church got established and began to grow. So in Acts chapter 2, the church is born. It's the day of Pentecost, which we are celebrating today, right? The day of Pentecost. So the Holy Spirit is poured out on these followers of Jesus. And Peter stands up and preaches about Jesus being resurrected. And 3,000 people come to Christ that day. So they begin gathering for teaching in the outer court of the temple. And they begin meeting in people's homes, loving each other, and sharing about how awesome Jesus is. They weren't confined, confined to a building. I mean, they, they didn't even have a building. This idea that the church can't happen unless we can get together in a building is just not a biblical concept. The word translated church in the New Testament is the Greek word ekklesia, ekklesia, which, which referred to a gathering of people for a particular purpose. Now, unfortunately, centuries later, when the first English translation was done, ecclesia got translated church. And when people hear the word church, they think building. But the church is not a building. It is a group of people on mission together. Okay, so after the initial birth of the church in Acts chapter 2, the church starts to experience growth. We're told in Acts chapter 6 that the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. I mean, this is awesome, right? The church is growing. Priests are coming to Christ. I mean, everything was good. Or was it? Notice again the verse we just read. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased. So the church is growing in Jerusalem but was that God's original intent for his church, for it to just stay in Jerusalem? Well, to answer that question, let's go back to Acts chapter 1 and hear from the mouth of Jesus himself, his specific mission for his church. Look at this, Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. So that had, that had happened. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. That was happening and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Oops. What about that last part? That part about Judea and Samaria. That was not happening. Honestly, the church had kind of settled in Jerusalem. They had sort of gotten comfortable in the way church was being experienced. But their normal was not what God had in mind for his church. 
So how did God get his church to reawaken to their original mission? This is where it gets really interesting and actually um, incredibly relevant for us today. What happens is that God, in his sovereign plan, took a situation that was intended for evil and he leveraged it for good, which is something he does all the time. And so in this case, an amazing, godly young man in Jerusalem, at the church in Jerusalem, a guy named Stephen, is out preaching the gospel and he ends up being murdered by the religious authorities. And we're told that at that moment, something immediately shifted in the spiritual atmosphere. Look at Acts chapter 8, verse 1. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. A terrible persecution breaks out against all the believers in Jerusalem. Suddenly, they're being hunted down. They're being thrown in prison. Families are being torn apart. There was this palpable sadness and and grief and loss all around them. It was horrible. Now, in the midst of this, these believers were faced with two options in terms of how to respond to this difficulty, right? Two options. Would, Would they see it as an obstacle or would they see it as an opportunity? Now, I'm guessing there were plenty of Christians in Acts chapter 8 who were like, why is this persecution happening? What a horrible time for this. We were doing so well. The church was growing. People were coming to Christ. And now we're being hunted down. You know, we can't even meet together like we used to. I can't see my friends. They, they, were, they, were, they were focused on the obstacle, just like we could easily do in this current crisis. We could just complain about what's happened and pine for those days three months ago when we were having church and our 401k looked awesome and our job was secure. I mean, can't we just go back to the way it was? We long for the days when there was no COVID-19. I mean, that's one option, right? But there's another option that we actually see playing out in Acts chapter 8. What if this crisis was an opportunity for God to do something unique in and through his people? What if this was actually an opportunity for God to reawaken his people to his initial vision for his church, to not be stuck in Jerusalem, but to be a movement of his life and presence beyond our Jerusalem? Well, that's exactly what happened. Look again at verse 1, chapter 8. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Notice, where were they scattered? Throughout throughout Judea and Samaria, the exact places Jesus specifically mentioned in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. So here we are in Acts chapter 8, verse 1, and finally the church because of difficult circumstances, finally the church is reawakened to their purpose that they were given in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And notice who is scattered. Look at that verse. All except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Friends, this statement is huge. The apostles stay in Jerusalem and everyone else is scattered. Now, this word scattered does not mean randomly scattered. It refers to a strategic scattering, like a farmer who is is sowing seed in a strategic way. 
All right, well, notice verse 4. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Suddenly there is this army of believers in Jesus, not just the apostles. There is an army of believers in Jesus who are sharing Jesus with people wherever they go. And so in the rest of chapter 8, we, see, we are introduced to a specific example of this, a guy named, named Philip. Who the heck is Philip? I mean, he, he's not one of the apostles. The only thing we know about Philip is that in Acts chapter 6, he was chosen to be a part of a meal ministry. That's all we know about Philip. And then this persecution happens. And all of a sudden, Philip is a rock star. Look at verse 5. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. Samaria, which is exactly where Jesus had said the church was to go, right? Beyond Jerusalem, go to Samaria. And, and that's, where Philip is, that's where Philip goes. And, and here's the deal about Samaria. The Jews hated Samaritans. There was this massive racism going on both ways between the people in these two areas. And Philip goes there. In the midst of all this racial tension, Philip goes there and he starts talking about Jesus. Man, do we need some Jesus followers today who are willing to cross racial barriers and bring the love of Jesus into places where racism is still rampant. Places where a person is immediately under suspicion just because of their skin color or treated differently because of their skin color. That's just wrong. That's wrong. And Philip is moving toward people of a different race where there is all sorts of hostility and he is bringing the love and truth of Jesus. He starts praying for people and they get healed. This is Philip. This is Philip, an ordinary guy in the church in Jerusalem, and he is kicking some kingdom butt. <laughs> I mean, later in this chapter, he happens to see a guy from Ethiopia reading the Bible and not understanding what he's reading. And so Philip leads this guy to Christ. And many people believe that that encounter resulted in millions of people in Africa ultimately being impacted by the gospel. Notice what God is doing. He is shifting the focus of ministry from a few select leaders, i.e. the apostles, to everyone. Everyone. Right here in the midst of this horrible persecution, God is making a statement about how his church is to thrive and grow and pursue its mission on earth. It is not through a select group of highly trained elite leaders who stand in front of a bunch of spectators. No, 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 no. God has always intended his church, his ecclesia, to be a group of people, each of whom are a strategic part of the mission, his mission moving forward. A strategically scattered people who wherever they are, are carrying the love and the presence of Jesus and shining his light in the darkness. The Acts 8 persecution was a huge wake-up call for the church to remember how it is supposed to operate. Not a few priests or pastors doing the ministry, but the priesthood of all believers. The empowering of every person to move forward in this mission. I mean, if you go back to Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost, you will see that every follower of Jesus 
was filled with the Spirit that day. Not just the apostles. Every follower of Jesus was filled with the Spirit. Everyone became an equally empowered and necessary part of the church moving forward. But it wasn't until the wake-up call of persecution in Acts chapter 8 when that truth finally, fully got realized and the church got strategically scattered. See, friends, I believe that COVID-19 is an opportunity for a huge wake-up call for the church to be reminded of the same truth, that you are the church, the ecclesia of God, and that you, in this season, have been strategically scattered out of your Jerusalem your sanctuary, right, to bring the love and presence of Jesus to wherever he has placed you. I mean, right now, we are unable to safely meet all together in our building. So where is church happening? It's happening wherever you are. It's happening in your living room. It's happening around your kitchen table. It's happening when you walk in the neighborhood. It's happening in the conversations you have with the people around you. The church hasn't stopped being the church. We've just changed locations. The reality is right now, we are one church in about 3,000 locations. And that, that doesn't change when the church is finally able to meet together for worship again. We are still a strategically scattered people. So would you dream with me for a moment? Can, can you imagine the impact we together can have as we are strategically scattered, bringing the love of Jesus wherever we are? Can you imagine the impact if every one of us as individuals and families and small groups viewed this crisis not as an obstacle, but as an opportunity for God to use us, each one of us, in some way to bring his hope and life to those around us? I don't know what this could look like, but would you be willing to dream with me in this unique season? What would it look like for us to be the church? What would it look like for you and me to be the church wherever God has scattered us in this season? I would love for you to share with me stories of what you're discovering, of what opportunities God is opening for you to be the church in your family or in your neighborhood or in your workplace. I'm dying to hear what you or your small groups are already doing or the dreams that God is placing on your heart to be the church wherever you are. You can hashtag your pictures or videos or stories on social media or email me or someone on staff. We would love to hear those stories. I mean, the opportunities before us, the opportunity before us is astounding. Right now, people are hurting. They're asking questions they weren't asking three months ago. Questions about hope and about relationships and where meaning and purpose are found. And friends, we have the answer. We have the answer. We personally know the one they need, Jesus. What if God would help open our eyes to see the opportunities around us? I heard Pastor Erwin McManus, a pastor in Los Angeles, share a story recently about how his wife on Mother's Day just had this huge heart to bless other moms but 
obviously they're in the shelter in place order, but she had this huge heart to bless moms. And so she was just kind of creatively thinking about how she could do that. And she, she decided to create in her front yard a simple, beautiful seating area, a bench with some flowers and a sign that said something about loving moms. And people could just walk up and they could take a picture and they could take a flower with them. And they did. At first, people were a little hesitant, but by the afternoon, more and more people were stopping. Pictures were being taken of young moms with newborns. Well, at 5 p.m., a news truck shows up, and they do a five-minute story about this, so that by that evening, millions of people had been impacted. I mean, part, part of our church's vision is for all people. We are for our city. We are for healthcare workers. We are for those who have lost their jobs. We are for our neighbors. I mean, what would happen if we looked for ways to be for the people around us, to bring Jesus into situations around us? A guy in our church has a, a grandfather um, at, at Fair Acres Nursing Home. Um, and he began to think about how his granddad, like so many others in these nursing homes, ha- they ha- he hasn't been out of his room since, since March. Um, so, so he is planning, this guy in our church, he's planning a nationwide event for June 10th at 1 p.m. for people to go to these assisted care facilities and offer up a thank you to the caregivers and to love and just express love for the residents. I'm going to be there. I'm, I'm going to be there. You, you can find out more information about how you can be a part of this in our weekly email newsletter, as well as on social media. Again, what would happen if we just began looking for ways to bring Jesus into needs and into situations around us? I mean, the cool thing about this season is that it enables us really to be innovative, thinking up creative ways to bless people, which is awesome. I mean, just the other day, someone left on our front porch a a huge container of red vines, like that three and a half pound one, you know, which I love, by the way. And 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 then they wrote an encouraging note to me. They just dropped this on, put this on our porch with an encouraging note. I've heard so many stories of people in our church doing creative stuff like this, dropping a surprise meal by someone's house or leaving cookies for the trash collectors or creatively celebrating a graduation. And it doesn't have to be these wildly creative ideas. I was talking with a businessman the other day who shared about, he just shared with me about how many opportunities he has had to pray with his coworkers and to point them to Jesus in this season. I have heard that over and over again from teachers and business people and healthcare workers and those in retail and people just in their neighborhood. I mean, the opportunity to gently bring the hope of Jesus to people in this season is huge. It's huge. My son Joshua is graduating from high school this year. He has some significant special needs, and so his future is very uncertain for all of us. Well, my wife, Raylene, has been homeschooling Josh since COVID hit, and which has given her the opportunity to see Joshua's teachers in action Last week, she told me about how on the last day of a particular class, the teacher of the special needs class took some time on this Zoom call to speak to each one of these kids in his class. He spoke to each one of them individually, and he called out 
the unique abilities and the unique qualities that he saw in each one of them. Most of these kids don't hear that very often in a world where they stand out as being not enough. My wife said it was one of the most amazing things she has ever witnessed. It was like this teacher had a superpower and he was pouring life into each one of these kids, including my son. I mean, the irony is this teacher mentioned that usually on the last day of school, they just go to eat at some restaurant. But because of COVID, he had to think of some other way to celebrate these kids, which gave him the idea to do what he did. And the impact was profound. I mean, my wife was bawling, but she said, I mean, the impact was profound. Raylene said that one of the kids on that call then went to the next class on Zoom and immediately asked that teacher, are you going to tell me the things that you like about me? Again, friends, what would happen if instead of seeing this current reality as an obstacle keeping us from what we want, what if we saw it as an opportunity for God to use us in ways that weren't even possible three months ago? Opportunities to be for people, to pour life into people around us, to bring hope, to share Jesus. Let's discover together what it could look like to be the ecclesia of God, a church that is strategically scattered, bringing hope and love to the people around us. Let's pray. So Holy Spirit, thank you for opening our eyes to see your activity in the book of Acts and the way you used even an evil, difficult circumstance, but you somehow leveraged that as a wake-up call. And we pray that you would do that in us in the midst of this situation we find ourselves in. So I want to invite you, as you're, as you're there praying, your heart is quiet, let's just ask the Lord, each one of us, just ask God, what, God, what are you saying to me? Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me in response to this message? Are we viewing the current circumstance as an obstacle or an opportunity? If you've been viewing it as an obstacle, ask the Lord, would you help me see this as an opportunity? God, I pray that you would open our eyes to see the opportunities all around us and give us the courage to embrace these opportunities to bring your hope and love to the people and the needs around us. So let's take a moment, just offer yourself to him, to the Lord. Say, God, I'm yours. Use me. And now, Jesus, we want to pray for our church in this season, this strategically scattered people, Lord, that you, that we all would embrace this moment and be the church 
that, that you would use us as instruments of your love and hope and joy to people. Holy Spirit, come and fill us and empower us to move your mission, your vision forward. We love you, God. So while you're, you're just praying quietly, I want to just give another opportunity here. There may be some of you here who are watching this and you don't necessarily know what it means to have a relationship with Jesus, a personal relationship with him. The Bible tells us it's very, very simple. The reality is it's not about you earning your way. It's not about you trying to be a good person and hoping God likes you. That's not it at all. It's about trusting the work of Jesus who gave his life on the cross for you. It's not about you cleaning up your life. Jesus already paid for all of your sin and all of your failure. It's about receiving his forgiveness in life. And so if that's you, if you would like to receive Jesus right now, I want to lead you in a prayer. Just pray with me in the silence of your heart. Dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner, that I've gone my own way and tried to live without you. But I don't want to live without you. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me to pay the penalty I deserved to pay. And I choose right now to place my trust in you, Jesus. I ask you to forgive my sin. And I now receive you into my life. Come change me from the inside out through the power of your love. Father, I pray for anyone who prayed that prayer. Thank you for this new relationship they have with you. And I pray that this, these people would grow, each one of them would grow in their relationship with and if you made that decision, let me just encourage you to text the number on the screen. We would love to hear about that decision and pray for you in your new journey with God. You can also use that number if you have any prayer needs. Um, you can let our prayer team know just by using that same number. All right, let's worship the Lord together, who is so, this, this Jesus, who is so worthy of our praise.